0: are now tuning in to the Mind Body podcast, where you will go behind the scenes of how the mind of successful entrepreneurs, experts, and true leaders really works. Here you won't just listen, you will understand the guiding principles to create massive change in any area of your life. And of course, this podcast is hosted by the strong, lovely, with the sexy Jewish accent, Lidor Dayan! welcome ladies and gentlemen to the mind Body podcast i'm your host Lidol Dayan and in today's episode i had the honor to speak with Alex Charfen. Alex is the CEO founder and CEO of Charfen empowering entrepreneurs to grow and scale businesses and make their biggest contribution We covered many topics in this interview from entrepreneurships, studying successful people and even finding your true soulmate. I'm very thrilled to share this interview with you because Alex shared a lot of good content that can benefit you all but remember, knowledge without action will give you nothing. Knowledge is only potential power and besides. It's scientifically proven that our mind can remember only 5% of what we hear and in most cases we forget it after one or two days So be committed and get into a peak state Come on, you can get into a peak state, say yes! Okay, say again! Come on, move your body! People talking with their headphones all the time, nobody will notice, come on! Okay, okay so, now that we are in a good and happy state, <clears throat> without further ado, let's begin the interview! Good! So, can you please share with us a little about your background, your history? Because you, you didn't born here in America, right?
1: No, I'm actually from Mexico City. I was, uh, I was born in Mexico. My family moved to the States when I was about five. I grew up in Southern California and when I was 21 I moved to Florida so uh, I, I, there's a lot more detail in there but that's kind of the broad and then I've been in Austin since 2009.
0: Nice! So what what do you think led you to start all of this journey, this entrepreneurship?
1: Um, it, how, how do I pronounce your name? It's Lidor, right? Lidor. Lidor, sorry, wanted to make sure I got it right. So, you know, I was, I was always that kid that was exceptionally different, you know, now. Uh, and I still am, you know, as, as an adult, I'm exceptionally different. Only now, uh, I have, I've made money, so now I'm called eccentric, not weird. And, you know, as a child, I was the kid who, when I walked into a room with adults, they would say, oh, hey, look, there's Johnny and Mary and Alex and I knew that that was going on you know I didn't I didn't have an understanding or a, a, a conscious conscious understanding of why but I did know it was because I was fundamentally different you know I I, um, I didn't understand social situations for the most part I still really don't unless they're wrapped into a business I I always felt like I was kind of on the outside looking in when it came to school or friends or social. I never really found a place to belong. So as a kid, rather than spending time, you know, playing with other people or um, working on, working in school with other people or going out, I mean, even going out to recess or lunch, I didn't do any of those things. I spent time reading. I escaped into books. They were they were like my best friends when I was growing up and you saw you saw when I showed you my office. Like I am never not surrounded by by hundreds of books. And you know, I've got like eleven out here that I've been looking at in the past couple days and I'm constantly absorbing information and for me that was how I saw the world, and, and and when I was really young, I started like trying to figure out, you know, I was so different, I never thought I would be successful. You know, there's this thing called success, and I didn't ever think that I would be able to access it or access it or get there, and so I started reading about successful people, and here's here's what I found, you know, the more I read about people who were successful or people who we remember, or people who did something extraordinary in the world, the more I found out they were just like me, You know, Einstein didn't talk until he was four. He could never tie his shoes. He wore the slip line shoes his whole life. So do I. Um, You know, I I learned how to tie my shoes, but I I Mm -hmm. don't like to. I took it until I was about 10 years old. And I remember as a kid, like, hearing that and thinking, oh, Einstein took algebra twice and got in trouble for daydreaming all the time. You know, uh, Socrates went to his death because he was so stubborn he wouldn't agree with something that he thought was wrong. You know, Newton was sitting under the apple tree when an apple hit him in the head and he discovered gravity or started thinking about gravity. But what we don't say is Newton was sitting under the apple tree by himself because he was completely antisocial and isolationist. And the more I read about successful people, the more I realized they were a lot like me. And I think that, you know, when when you ask, how did I get started? I, I obsessed over this thing called success, and the more that I read and the more that I found, it looked more and more like who I was. And so, as a child, you know, failing for the most part in school, I had a really hard time with instructors. I, I was bullied a lot, I got beat up a lot, but I had this glimmer of hope that these people in the past who had you know, either written about themselves or someone had written about, it, there was a life history about them, I always saw the same thing you know they, they looked more and more like me and, and it's interesting because today in society we have this equation if, if you don't look like everyone else talk like everyone else show up like everyone else learn like everyone else and do the same things at the same time like everyone else you're a broken person that we have to fix so as a kid i, I didn't i didn't really fit in and so i studied successful people like I, I i know that that sounds weird but i was really young and i started reading obsessively i'm dyslexic And uh, I have trouble reading when I'm nervous. I have trouble reading. Like if if I have to type or read in front of a group, it's tragic, like it's so bad. But if I'm alone, I've I've learned how to to modify enough that I can and I absorbed a ton of information about success and and what I saw was that today we have this equation that if, if someone doesn't look like everyone else, show up like everyone else, talk like everyone else and learn in the same way as everyone else that's a broken person we have to medicate them change them fix them sometimes even diagnose them and and diagnose them And, and when you look at history and you read the life history of successful people they all didn't show up like everyone else, they didn't learn like everyone else, they didn't talk like everyone else, they didn't learn at the same pace as everyone else, and that was always the brilliant person that, that changed the world. And I think society wants to look at them as the exception. Mm-hmm. But the way I look at it is, if someone's fundamentally different, if they feel different, if they feel isolated, if they feel alone, those are all characteristics of brilliance throughout history. Mm-hmm. And I think we have it turned around. So. That's where my journey started and that's what drives
0: me today yeah it's like the same when i started all of this it's like i i really felt that all of these successful people the people that i see like uh, on the news and stuff they are not really different so it was like you said obsession to know what they did differently and uh, when I actually started to learn their history, I, I, I went to like uh, libraries and start to read and I see like, oh my God, uh, this and this and this. And then you relate to what you're going into, right? And, and it makes sense. So uh, I believe we all can, can get what we actually want, the dreams, but the only thing that's uh, uh, preventing us is, is the fear, right? So I want to ask you, what is entrepreneur in your perspective like if we can take it like really in details what is the beliefs values maybe must rules must never rules or question they ask themselves daily
1: so i think uh, if you say what's an entrepreneur in my perspective the easiest way for me to share that with you is to share some of some of my foundational belief systems and is, is that okay? Yes. Because I'd, I'd rather answer it through like how I see the world. See, I, uh, Lidor, I think there's um, four different types of people in the world. And I'll let you self-qualify to see which one you are because I think entrepreneurs, entrepreneurial personality types uh, are completely different than the rest of the world. Let me prove it to you. So the first type of person in the world, I call them the caretaker. This is the person that likes to take care of other people. And when I share this with entrepreneurs, they often think, oh, that's me. I like to help other people. I like to take care of other people. But here's the question that I ask for you can, to qualify or disqualify. Do you like to change bedpans? And and there might be, do you know what a bedpan is? Bed what? Bed, bed, pan. It's an American word. It's the bucket that they put in a bed when somebody can't get out of bed so that they can go to the bathroom. And the question is, do you want to be the person who's doing that? No. No, no, but Lidor, here's what's interesting. I've been around people who I ask them, hey, did you like doing that? Did you like changing the bucket where the person has to go to the bathroom? Did you like changing the bedpan? And they will look at me sincerely and say, Alex, if that person needed it changing and I was here to be of service, then yes, I I do. I I wanted to be here, that fulfills me. And I always think, but that's not me. I'm completely different than that. If I'm changing a bedpan, I feel like something went wrong. There's a population of caretakers in the world. Um, I'm sure, you know, evolutionarily, when you look at human beings, we needed the caretakers in our greater human tribe. So the second group of people, I call them the communicators. Now, communicators are the people who like to talk about anything. Mm-hmm. Um, communicators just like to talk. They like to to tell people stuff. They like to, you know, and, and here's the qualification for communicator. What's interesting is it's often entrepreneurs say, oh, well, that must be me. And the reason we say that is because we assume that um, because we like to talk, because we do podcasts, because we want to share our opinions, that we must be communicators. But here's the qualifier for a communicator. Do you like casual small talk?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> I hate small talk. C- <laughs> that one was easy, right? This one, it's like I can, I can literally, if I'm, like I'm a trainer as well, so if I, I like stuck and like I have nothing to talk with a person that's deep, then I can like just be like this and it makes me crazy because I'm not like that. I can talk for hours when it's something that interests me.
1: Right. And talking about the weather or talk, you know, you put two <laughs> communicators together yeah. And, and if they're standing by a water cooler they can have a one hour discussion about a half hour TV show how do you do that? Mm-hmm. like you and I could not do that <laughs> will tell you about the weather They'll, You know, you, whenever I walk into a building or a room and somebody's like hey Alex how's it going today man it's really hot out there isn't it it's like four degrees hotter than yesterday I'm always thinking why are we talking about the weather yes. when is the weather a relevant conversation but here's the fact like when I get into small talk My first thought is how do I escape this situation because I feel trapped. But there are communicators in the world that love small talk. Like if you watch them, they'll talk to anybody about anything and historically, our tribe needed good caretakers to take care of people. We needed communicators, they carried on oral tradition. They said stuff like, hey, don't eat this thing, it'll kill you. Don't go over there, there's a woolly mammoth. Because guys like you and I, we're not gonna talk about anything unless we're communicating with a person for a purpose. Mm -hmm. Now, the third group, I'll let you self qualify on this one, This, this one's called the coordinators. And coordinators are the ones who like to organize, they like fine print, they like details. Coordinators like contracts, not because there's a deal, but because there's a contract and I'll qualify you for coordinator with one question Do you like to be on committees on what?
0: Committees like a group decision-making committee uh, I Would say Yes, and no, it's like No, I think no
1: No, right? Because committees don't have a leader. The leader is the rules of the committee. And people like you and I, it's very hard to put up with the rules of a committee. And coordinators are the ones who, do you like fine print? Do you like contracts? Do you like the details? Because for people like you and I, typically that's not where we want to spend most of our time.
0: Yeah, I don't like to see, like I total. me I prefer to give it to somebody else to do this and, and not like... I need to go over all of that.
1: Right, but a coordinator loves that. I mean the coordinators are the memorizers, the organizers, they love the details, they love the rules, they love the red tape. Like, I'm sure for me, as soon as I figure out what the rules are, I just want to know how to break them, not how to follow them. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so we have the caretakers, the communicators, the coordinators, and then there's the third, or sorry, the fourth party. And the fourth party is when you look at evolutionarily for human beings, we have people that take care of people, the people who communicate, the people who organize, memorize, coordinate things. What are we missing? Most people say it's the leaders, but what we're really missing is the evolutionary hunters.
0: Hunters? People like you and I no.
1: are evolutionary hunters. We get up every day and we are driven to go on the hunt, make a difference, make a change, create a new outcome in the world. And here's the question for evolutionary hunters. Can you turn it off?
0: No. No.
1: Right? It's always on. We're always driven to keep going. We can't slow down. We don't stop. And as an evolutionary hunter, we are that small percentage of the population. This is a big percentage. The other three? We're the small percentage of the population that wakes up every day and says, how do I change things? How do I make this better? How do I create greater outcomes in the world? How do I make the human race evolve? And when you look at what percentage, or what type of person in the human race would be pre-programmed to drive forward, go on the hunt, go out, create outcomes, go knock them down, chase things down, we're the evolutionary hunter. Because when you look at the communicators, the coordinators, the caretakers, we needed a group to keep the tribe alive, and that's us. And so when you say, what is an entrepreneur, to me, entrepreneurs, and entrepreneurial personality types are evolutionary hunters. And we are fundamentally different than the rest of the world because evolutionary hunters live in the future. We live in the hunt that's going to happen. We live in the hunt that we're on and caretakers, coordinators,
0: communicators live in the present. They live for the status quo. Do you feel we can, like every person can reprogram their mind to become an evolution hunter because like many of us our condition with the environment where we live uh, the country we come from the family so all of this creates beliefs in our mind so do you think that we actually reprogram our mind to become like the the entrepreneurial like the the evolution hunter and really like seek for all all the answers and not like always why me why does it happen to me
1: i think so i think that First, I don't, I don't put up any barriers to somebody self-identifying as an entrepreneurial personality type. You know, when I go out and speak, because of the type of audiences I attract, there might only be one or two people that identify with the other categories. And everyone else is an evolutionary hunter. But if I ever get into a mixed room, it might be 75% of the room is one of the other categories. And I have to be careful with how I share my, con- my content. But um, I think that that yes, like we, any human being can self-select and say, "Hey, I want greater outcomes. I want to make things better. I want to change what's going on. I want to to drive more of a, a result in the world." And I think it's fair game to anyone. There's no barriers to being someone who wants to create a better world.
0: And I also wanted to ask you: Do, do you see it as a sacrifice, or like because? Uh, there are many entrepreneurs that uh, think that you must sacrifice maybe something to become something and uh, then maybe you can miss the juice and happiness in life because for many of us we think differently we spend uh, many hours uh, by hours of creating so it's, it's a lot of hours that you are alone with yourself and we sometimes forget to maybe enjoy along the way so how do you handle it and still break through it?
1: I think that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if it's really a sacrifice or if it's our belief that it's a sacrifice. You know, when I was a kid, I worked with my dad a lot. Um, from about eight years old on, I started working with my father in a family business. And um, I spent my weekends with him. I spent a lot of my summers with him. And I think to a lot of people, they would say, wow, what a sacrifice. You know, you didn't have your childhood or you grew up too fast. And for me, um, those were those are some of the best memories of my entire childhood. You know, being able to work with my father and understanding how business ran and being able to sell people stuff and, and feeling like I mattered. Because when it came to being in the classroom or playing with other kids or doing the things that other other people my age were doing i wasn't good at any of them not only was i not good at them but i almost had like a a profound misunderstanding of how things worked i didn't know how to play like other kids play i didn't i didn't understand you know everything that i did was either like you go do it as hard as you possibly can or you don't do it and I didn't know that there was such a thing as going 50% or kind of playing or, you know, if there was a contest or a game, I wanted to either win or I didn't want to play. And so, you know, I think that for me, um, I think, you know, that that is who I am. And so I don't know if it's a sacrifice, you know, I think. It's funny, we've had this conversation a lot lately, my wife and I, because, I'm with my clients. You know, entrepreneurs don't have a lot of friends. We don't have a huge circle of friends. We might have a small handful of people that are important to us, um, that we share with, that, that we get close with, but we are not like normally social people. And I think one of the things we have to really be careful with is because we're not social, we isolate. And we tend to spend time alone. And I think that if an entrepreneur spends too much time alone, We can go into the darkness, we can get lost. We're tribal creatures, we have to be around our tribe. But at the same time, hunters need time alone. And so I think there's a delicate balance there of um, spending enough time that you don't isolate to where you're not creating forward progress. But Lidor, here's what I know about people like you and I. We feel the most alive when we're accomplishing. We do not feel the most alive when we're at a party. We do not feel the most alive when we're hanging out with people. We feel the most alive when we are accomplish something, when we're making things happen, when we're changing the world. And for me, the only sacrifice is not doing that. Like if I don't create the right situation in my life, if I don't get the right help in my life, if I don't put the right people around me, I don't have that opportunity to, to make my to make my contribution to the world, and to me, that's the greatest sacrifice
0: yeah i i will share like for my own like i came here about 11 months ago because i knew that if i stay at israel near the family like everything then i would not be able to see how far i can take my life so i jump here to the state without anything and i build build up on that i've been through some stuff but i'm still there but at the last like let's say months or two months it's like i'm i'm taking down again because I spend a lot of hours, nothing's working and you get frustrated and you talk to the wolf and you're doing some crazy shit and you think like you're a psycho. Like what is wrong with me? What am I doing? Like uh, I, I, I started even to, to eat junk food and I'm a fitness guy and like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, uh,
1: no, I know exactly how that works, man. Um, When we, you know, I I think that, let me see if I can help you. Let me see if I can help you. Because if that's how you're feeling, I want you to understand how people like us are motivated. Because when you look at entrepreneurial personality types like you and I, we're not like the rest of the world. I don't even really think we live in the world of emotions that the rest of the world does. We don't recognize things like happy or sad. And I know that that sounds weird sometimes. But, like, I've figured out what happy means and what sad means. Happy's on and sad is off. But when I was a kid, I can't tell you how often I was put in front of the poster, and I don't know if you had this in Israel, but it's the poster that says, how are you feeling today at the top? And then it has faces on it with all the emotions, and it says happy, sad, frustrated, confused, all, you know? And whenever I was asked, how are you feeling? I never knew how to answer. Because people like us, we exist in three states. The first state we exist in is called momentum. This is when things are going your way. This is when things are working for you. This is when things are happening. When you are in momentum, you tell me, how does it feel?
0: Oh my God, amazing. It's like you're in sex. <laughs> it's, right? it's feel good. A lot of
1: people use sex terms. A lot of people use drug terms. But you know what people actually say? And sooner or later, if I ask in a room, what does momentum feel like? One of the first five answers always from entrepreneurs is, it feels like you're alive. Yeah. And being alive, that's where we feel alive. When we're in momentum, when we know where we're going when we have perspective that we're getting there, and when we know what we're doing and who else is helping us. If we have those three elements, a clear outcome, measurement along the way, and accountability to what we're doing and who we're getting help from, everything in our lives goes forward. Now the second state we face, we exist in is called facing resistance. And this is where we don't have the resources, we don't have the time, we don't have the effort, we don't have the energy, we, we don't have what we should have, and but, the pressure of the world is on us and we can still see this small light at the end of the tunnel do you know what i'm talking about yes it's when everyone in your life is saying hey that light is a train <laughs> it's about to run you over but it's not and and we compel that light towards us we move towards it we finally step through that light and that's in fact where we create who we are do you know what i'm talking about
0: yeah of course i feel it in my body right now
1: <laughs> exactly because here's why we're so weird When we're in momentum, we create more. When we're facing resistance, we create momentum. Now, the only state that hurts us, and this is the state where we self-sabotage, where we eat junk food, where we start drinking, where we start using drugs or pornography or some other escape, this is where we, we hurt ourselves because we can't get that feeling of being alive. And to us, not feeling alive, not being in momentum is one of the worst feelings that there is. And it's when we are in constraint. And when you're in constraint, that's when the circumstances are are such that you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, that you don't know where you're going, where you physically feel like you can't move forward. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Lidor, how fast does your body break down when you feel like that?
0: Oh, it's like that. uh, Immediately. Yes. Right?
1: Right? You start feeling tired, exhausted, drained. Your adrenals kick in, your thyroid kicks in. Everything gets messed up. The, yeah, and, and not just your body. The second one is when you're in constraint. How fast does your cognition go away? Like it's harder to make
0: decisions. It's harder yeah. to think about. Yeah, and I'm I'm losing productivity. Like uh, I was so image I, I had so much imagination. I created so many content videos. Like I never thought I could do. Like I did so many stuff, and now like. Where is it? Where is my creativity? It's, I, it's gone.
1: Yeah, yeah, because our brains shut down when we're in constraint. And here's the big one, Leroy, this is big. And recently I felt this a lot, like when I'm in constraint where I don't know where I'm going, where I can't see the destination, chemically we are affected. So it's not just physical, it's not just cognition, it's not just mental it's chemical like do you know what i'm talking about that chemical feeling of depression and here's what happens it sounds like it happened to you recently i went through a period like this in my 20s where i grew a massive organization to over nine figures we were selling tons of stuff for massive companies but I, i was making a lot of money i had a massive team i had tremendous pressure on me and i couldn't figure out why i was doing it anymore i was just making money and selling stuff and building a team and doing it over and over again. And I, I built a massive organization and I worked seven days a week, 16 hours a day most of the time. I did not take time off. And in my late 20s, I, 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 you know, I, I started traveling, cortisol kicked in. I, didn't, I, not, I, didn't, I started traveling in my early 20s, but in my late 20s, I started putting on weight. Um, I, I stressed myself out so much that my metabolism stopped working. I grew to almost 300 pounds. And when your body starts putting on weight, when you start like feeling that constraint, when it doesn't feel like there's a light at the end of the tunnel, at that point I didn't care anymore. I started eating cheeseburgers, I started drinking, I started smoking, and I was falling apart. And when people like us are in constraint and we hit that physiological, cognitive, and chemical constraint, it stops us in our tracks. And we have to avoid that feeling at all costs. We have to stay away from that feeling at all costs. And the the way that I coach my clients, the way that I show people to do that is to always understand where you're going. What is your next interim destination? What hunt are you on? And then have perspective that you're getting there because Evolutionarily, we would have been chasing down an animal. You and I would have been side by side running down an animal and making sure we were getting closer. And we would have perspective if we were winning or losing. And that's all we need. We need perspective. It doesn't matter if we're winning or losing. We just need to know. And then the third part is if we were hunting together, I would have your back and you would have mine. And and if you have those conditions in your life, you stay out of constraint. Because that is the most damaging thing for people like us.
0: When you say like knowing where you go, like you measure it by a weekly, monthly, what?
1: So the way we coach our clients is a system where you create your long-term destination.
0: Like the vision, the big vision of your life? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, a
1: client-centric mission. We start with a client-centric mission. We actually have a whole process that we coach. We coach client-centric mission, annual objectives quarterly targets, that lets you know where you're going, then the breadth of it is how do you get there? Your 30-day goals, which is a percentage of the target, your weekly commitments, which always lead to a goal, and then your daily productivity. And so if you look at what I just put together there, each day leads to a weekly commitment. Each commitment leads to a monthly goal. Each monthly goal lets you know you're accomplishing a quarterly target. Each quarterly target lets you know you're getting closer to your year objective. And each year objective lets you know you're accomplishing that client centric mission.
0: And the thing is like, the thing is like you you have like a a lot of people telling you, okay, you gotta be unrealistic. Put unrealistic goals. But if like, let's say you're trying to get fit and okay, in a month I'm gonna look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. It doesn't make sense, right? So. It does not
1: make sense. I think, I think, you know, the way that goal setting is done um, frustrates me a lot. I think a lot of, A lot of the damage done to entrepreneurs is done through goal setting exercises because someone is told, you know, write down the biggest number you've ever thought of, and you write down $500,000. And then the person on stage says, okay, guys, cross it out, and I want you to double it. Now do it again. Now do it again. And, you know, they end up with like $10 million in front of them. And it just doesn't make sense. Let me share a story with you, um, Lidor, so you can get my perspective on this because I really believe strongly in not setting yourself up to lose. I think that when you set those massive goals, when you set crazy outcomes, you set yourself up to lose over and over again, and we get used to losing. When you look at the general public, only 2% of people set goals, and of the people who set goals, over 80% fail. And I'll share a story with you, and it's a parallel to goal setting. So when I was in my 20s, I wanted to learn how to shoot a gun. Um, I don't know if you went through military training in Israel, but here in the US not everybody gets, you know, firearms training And so mm-hmm. I, uh, I hired a friend of mine who was a Navy SEAL to teach me how to shoot a gun and he was a marksman, like really good at shooting and The first time, did you ever shot?
0: Yes, I did in Israel
1: So, so you did, you went through the training? Mm-hmm. Um, so let me tell you how I learned how to shoot first He came over to my house and our first lesson on shooting, I never shot the gun. The first lesson was, here's how you open it, here's how you take it apart, here's how you put it back together. Take it apart again, load it. I'm gonna put a bullet in it and jam it. You're gonna learn how to clear the jam. Okay, do it again. I mean, I spent an hour and 20 minutes just handling the gun without it ever being loaded Mm -hmm. in my garage. I thought I was gonna go for a shooting lesson and I got a a gun lesson instead. I have the gun upstairs in my, my room I can take it apart and put it back together with my eyes closed because I did it so many times with him. And the second lesson, we finally went to the shooting range. And we went into the range, and I have a, a Smith and Wesson 9mm, uh, the same, the 226, the same gun that Navy SEALs carry. And we loaded it, it holds 15. We loaded it, and then he put a target on the clip and he advanced the target about four feet, like four feet. It's right here. I could touch the target. <laughs> And he looked at me and we had the headphones on. He looked at me he goes, shoot it through the middle. And I'm like, what? He goes, empty the gun through the middle. And I was shooting at something that was like right here. So I was like, if a Navy SEAL tells you what to do, you do it. Yeah. The guy could kill me with his bare hands. So I turned to the gun to the target and I shot 15 shots through the middle. It was a pattern about that big. And he goes, good, we know you can shoot a gun. And then he reached out, moved the target back two feet. He goes, do it again. So I re- We loaded it and we did it again. And that first day that we were shooting, the target was never more than 10 feet away and my my pattern was never bigger. It went from this to maybe like this. But I never missed. My whole first shooting lesson, I never missed the target. I went back for my second lesson, and my third lesson, and my fourth lesson. And you know what we did every time? The target was four feet away. Mm -hmm. And then it went two feet back, and then it went two feet back. And after a few months, you could put that target at 25 yards and my pattern was this big because I had never missed the target. And the way that entrepreneurs are taught to set goals is the opposite. If you look at how most entrepreneurs set goals, it's like, let's go to a shooting range. Here's your nine millimeter. Okay, I'm gonna put the target back (laughs) 300 yards. You can't even see
0: it.
1: (laughs) It's a little speck on the horizon, and then they go, okay, hit the target. And entrepreneurs are like, I don't even know what I'm doing, and I can't tell if I even hit it. You need the spotter to tell you if you're close. Mm -hmm. So when, when somebody says set unrealistic goals, What I hear is you are going to learn how to lose over and over and over again. And for entrepreneurs, I say set realistic goals. Set goals that you can crush. Set goals that you know you can do. So that when you overachieve, when you do better, you feel like you're winning. Mm -hmm. You know, about um, a year and a half ago, I went up to Fort Hood here in um, Texas. And uh, we got to spend the day with some special forces. I speak, I volunteer for the military and we got to spend some time with Special Forces members here in Texas, which was amazing. I, I love military people. Um, I don't love what the military does, and I don't love war, I wanna make it clear, but I love mili- I love guys in the military because they, they're just like me. They were running towards something, they were running away from something, they see the world differently, and Special Forces guys are amazing. And so while the rest of our group was like up in a, in a house watching them train, I was down with them training mm-hmm. and at one point they put some targets on a shooting range and we took um, some rifles and we did shooting practice on plates and there was four special or three special forces guys and me and we all shot at plates and I was the, the third best I didn't beat two of them two of them were better than I was but I beat one of them you should have heard how much of a hard time he got from his friends. They're like, hey, do you see his pattern? (laughs) He's a lot tighter than you are. Uh, And the only reason that I could do that is one, I've never missed a target mm -hmm. practicing shooting. And so I had all the confidence in the world that when I line up with a guy who does it for a living, I'm gonna be able to do that. And I think for entrepreneurs, the lesson there is is move the target closer, make sure you can see it, and empty it through the middle.
0: I think it's like really be aware of where you are in real life right now. For me, it's like I always had the vision, the big dream, but you 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 try to bullshit yourself in the head instead of just see it as it is, like where I am right now. Okay, know where do I really want to go, and just start. And each week, each day, make a little bit of progress, not just always the time think about you because that depressed me I always think about oh my god I had to be here and it, there is so much more and it just drained you so it's like just go one step at a time I, I also wanted to, to talk with you uh, I know this is a very different topic about what we discussed in all this interview but I really believe uh, this area is maybe the the, 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 the critical area of all, which is relationship. And as an entrepreneur, uh, you probably know that it's really, really hard to find somebody that uh, can relate to you and understand you. And I remember even, even uh, Robert Kiyosaki, the guy from Rich Dad, Poor Dad, he said that never, never married to somebody from the other side, which is the employee mindset. I always want to, to get married for, to the one that say, see the world differently, like, like we do. So how can you actually find, because this era, we all have the need for connection and love, and we're trying to, to build the, your brand and something. It's really hard to find somebody that can fill this space. So in your perspective, how did you find the, the woman of your life? Mm.
1: Well, I used a process, and I know that sounds crazy, but um, I used a process that I I actually train other entrepreneurs in. I think that you know Robert Kiyosaki, that's good advice. Find somebody who's like us, and I would say what he was really trying to say is find another evolutionary hunter, find an entrepreneurial personality type. Because if, if we if we are a strong entrepreneur, it's not that you can't have relationships with a communicator, a caretaker, a coordinator, but it's hard. It's harder because they don't understand us. It's harder because they don't understand our motivations. It's harder because we're constantly explaining why we need to do what we do. And when I was in my late twenties, I had gotten out of a very challenging relationship, like really, really challenging. And um, I, I, most of my life, I was very bad at relationships. You know, um, I, I got into the wrong ones. I didn't know how to get out of them. I stayed in relationships far too long. Um, I gave too much. I didn't understand like what a healthy relationship should look like. And um, when I got out of that relationship, which was really like damaging, when 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 uh, when it ended, there was so much noise in my life when I was with her that when I ended the relationship, it was like it almost made the noise go higher. And I went and saw a therapist, and the therapist. Um, this guy named Dr. Tom Beely in South Florida, who I will be forever grateful for. Uh, We did EMDR therapy, which I recommend to every entrepreneur. And then he had me go through this exercise, a very clarifying exercise of creating a 10 point list of exactly what I was looking for in a woman. And it's 10 points, not 100, not 500, not seven, but 10. And he said, you know, put down the things that you know aren't going to happen anyway. So like he said, don't write down attractive because you know if you're not attracted to her, it's not gonna happen. Like one, just assume the attraction's there, just assume that she shows up. What are the things you're looking for? And I wrote things like someone who's caring, someone who respects my opinions, someone who's willing to live an alternative, like different type of lifestyle, because I'm not a nine to five person. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be. Uh, I wrote down someone who, who looks for the opportunities to connect Uh, Someone who's transparent in their conversation or communication and real in their communication and you know I I went through that whole list and I wrote that list (laughs) and I folded it up and I put it in my wallet and I carried it for Like nine months and I looked at it not every day, but I looked at it at least once a week And some weeks I looked at it a lot (laughs) and I went out to dinner one night After my friend and I were finished with a big promotion that we did at Home Shopping Network, and my wife just happened to be there and she sat next to us. Uh, We were eating dinner at the bar of a restaurant, and she sat next to us. And as I talked to her, I realized that she had all of those things on that list. And um, I got her phone number and That night, I called my mom and said, Hey, I think I might have met this girl that I'm going to marry. And she, my mom was like, What are you talking about? And I said, Well, I hope she calls me back. But, you know, I told her all about my wife, Katie. And Katie didn't call back for two weeks. It was super frustrating. Uh, Um, She was dating somebody, so I totally thought I had gotten blown off. And I didn't just call her once, I called her twice, which is like, that's the cardinal sin. You can't call a girl twice, but I did it anyway. Yeah. And she called me back and we ended up talking for hours and hours on the phone for weeks and then she came out to florida and um and visited me she was living in texas at the time and during her first visit we decided that she would move out to florida or i decided she would move out to florida and we started planning it and that's how i found katie and uh i don't i don't think it was going to dinner that helped me find her it was the list because I had absolute clarity as to what I was looking for. And I think the challenge for most entrepreneurs in relationships is that we will set up a process for our business, we set up a process for social media, we set up a process for our morning routine. We get clarity on almost everything in our lives, but we don't get clear on who we are really looking for. And when we do, that changes everything.
0: Do you think it's some kind of grace?
1: I think it's magnetic. I think when you, you know what happens all the time, Lidore, I'll, I'll give you a, 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 another example. Um, when I work with a client, and like I, I just went through this with an incredibly talented client, Ellie Bursco who um, I don't know where she is now, I think New Zealand, but she's an international traveler, she coaches people to grow businesses, and when I coach an entrepreneur to get really clear on their target avatar, I, I could play the message for you. Two days ago, I got a message from Ellie and she said, alex i got really clear on my target avatar i wrote three pages on it i really know who i want to serve and it's so crazy the next day someone who's exactly like that called me and signed up for one of my programs and then later that afternoon someone else signed up for the program who's exactly like that and it's like when we get clear we magnetically attract what we want in the world that's
0: who we are when we're not clear we don't attract anything and And that's so so for the people that listen to this because you you say clear Clear you define by, by what? By uh, time, by... Uh, if we can take like a couple of stuff that we can become clearer with what we, we want. So how can we become really clear? How we do it? Like well, measure it by... In
1: in your life, in whatever it is, um, we have a process that we take people through called our personal congruency process where we go through self-discovery and we figure out what we really want. And when I ask most entrepreneurs, hey, why are you doing everything you're doing? What is the goal? They'll say things like, well, I want to make money or I want to have my own business or I want to be independent. But they don't really know what the goal is. And when I can take someone from I want to make money to I want to make $50,000 this year, you know what happens? They make $50,000 in six months. Mm-hmm. When I can take some from someone from I want to be independent to, uh, I need to have 30 clients to make the money that makes it so I don't have to have a job anymore. They have 30 clients faster than they ever thought they could. And when we sit down and we get clear on where we are, what would be our next interim step? Like what's the next place we want to get? And then we measure our progress to get there. Everything in our world changes.
0: And so it's like, we can say it by by time, amount, we need to, to really know the amount. Maybe the reasons, like what's the reasons. So, because the deepest reason, like you said, like you want to make money, but if we look deeper, it's we want money because money will get us feel in certain ways. So, what we really crave for is a feeling, and those feelings is something we all can create in an instant because as human beings, we create emotion like this, and we can change it like that, like that fast, right? You can become nope. really frustrated, you can become really depressed if I just take you back for a depressed time in your life, right? So a feeling is something because we can have everything externally but internally is where we live and we, if we actually figure out what is the emotions we feel daily, because it's, it's emotion I believe it's habits, where we live internally, it becomes an habit. So when we recognize the emotions that we live right now, if it really make us better, so keep going. But if not, then you got to change it. So,
1: I agree.
0: So last questions, uh, I always like to ask, and I know we are out of time. So what is Alex's uh, legacy, that uh, you would like to live long after you won't be here in this world?
1: Um. I think every person like you and I, at some point in time in their lives, or maybe even most of their lives, has felt different and isolated and alone and like a party in one. And I want everyone who feels that way, everyone who is like you and I, to know something that if you think back Through the history that you know, through the history you remember, through every important person who has ever stood out for you in books, in historical records, the people who matter to you. I've shared some of mine. For me, it's like Socrates and Plato and Aristotle and Pythagoras and Einstein and Jobs. And, you know, they're they're incredible people who gave so much of themselves to create incredible contribution in the world. And for anyone who's ever felt alone or isolated and like there is no one like you, here's what I want you to know. That very feeling, that very impression that you are alone proves that you are one of us because every person in history that matters to be remembered, everyone that you remember is just like us And when you start feeling alone and isolated like a party of one, I want you to remember that that is your tribe, that is who you are, that is your legacy. And for all of you, I want you to know that there is nothing wrong with you and you are not alone. Because it doesn't matter what diagnosis or disease or disorder or issue or challenge or whatever you're facing, someone just like us has faced it, overcome it, and gone on to change the
0: world, and you can too. Amazing, man. It's just like no problem is permanent, only our soul is permanent. And if we actually let our heart to guide us, because I believe uh, human emotion is uh, the biggest resource to get everything you want, once you get resourceful enough, right? So I really want to thank you very much for the time uh, you took to be in my podcast. I really don't take it for granted. And uh, where, of course, can we find you?
1: So two places. One, you can go to MomentumPodcast.com. I have a podcast called Momentum for the Entrepreneurial Personality Type. And uh, we've we've had it out for a little less than three months. We are up to just um, just under 45,000 downloads. Wow. So the podcast is doing pretty well. We're pretty excited about it. And uh, the second thing you can do is let me give you all a gift. You can go to freemomentumbook.com freemomentumbook.com and that will allow you to download my book which is called The Entrepreneurial
0: Personality Type Nice, thank you very much Great yeah. stuff So thank you very much Alex My pleasure man, thank you If you enjoyed this interview or any other one from the Mind Body Podcast feel free to subscribe to my podcast at iTunes Spotify, SoundCloud, and at my YouTube channel. Also, feel free to share this podcast on Instagram by tagging The MindBody Podcast. Do you want to be a part of The MindBody Podcast? So remember the fast factor. The fast factor stands for one, Facebook. Become a part of the MindBody Podcast community by joining our Facebook community just by searching on Facebook the Mind Body Podcast community. Number two, act. Don't just be a passive listener. Act upon what you've just learned by applying one simple thing from any episode or interview. Three, subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Or if you're visual like me, then just search the Body podcast on YouTube. And number four, train others. Cause just like I always says, leaders create leaders and you're all here to grow together and by training others, you're training yourself. So this is the fast factor. Remember it. Facebook act subscribe and train others oh and please feel free to leave a review which will engage all your vac senses and the vac senses stands for visual auditory and kinesthetic which when you use all the three combined you remember stuff much better for more information about my coaching public speaking and taking your mind and body to all new levels check my site at lidodayan.com Till then, never ever forget to smile, see you soon.